phones except to take pictures just to maintain the quiet and serenity of the garden and uh, ask questions, just interrupt me. So the, um, the history of the garden started back in the late 50s. Um, World War II was over and we were trading with Japan again and people were becoming more interested in Japanese culture and Japanese art and, and textiles and all that sort of stuff. And Portland even had a sister city by then, Sapporo on the island of Hokkaido. And it was thought that maybe we should see if the city might be willing to give us a little bit of land to form a Japanese garden. And the city offered this land, which had been empty for a number of years. Um, at the time, so in the late 50s, it, it was there was a lot of rubbish around. It had been vacant, as I say. There was a lot of concrete, really nothing. None of the greenery was here except for these tall trees. That was it in terms of green stuff. And um, there was a lot of concrete, broken concrete walls and rusty old cages and broken iron bars and stuff. Any idea what this used to be in the old days? <laughs> Close. <laughs> it was a zoo. Okay, so this was the zoo here in Portland, and the zoo got too big for this, this five and a half acres and was moved to another part of Washington Park, um, where it is now, and so this place had been empty. And so the spot was available to us, and a Japanese landscape architecture professor, Tono, was asked if he would come to the garden and come and try to make a garden. And he came and as I say, it wasn't too impressive except for something really important in Japanese landscaping, and that's called borrowed scenery. And borrowed scenery, Shakai, is kind of taking advantage of what's outside of the garden and sort of incorporating it. So five and a half acres is a pretty small space, but this way there are 5,000 acres of in-city parks, parklands and hiking trails and stuff going that way into Forest Park and Washington Park. And this way, on the other side of this building, is the ultimate borrowed scenery to Professor Tono and us, which is Mount Hood, all the mountains, so the yeah. tennis courts and the rose gardens and the city, and then the mountains, Mount Hood, you can see on a good day, and Mount St. Helens and Mount Adams and Mount Rainier, so we'll come around and see if maybe it's they've shown up. <laughs> so Professor Tono thought that was a good sign. And then he said, no, I can't build you a garden. And everyone is all disappointed. But he, then he says, but I could build you five gardens. So within this little space um, is five different styles of gardens that have been incorporated. Um, so was that really a letdown? It was, yes. Everybody was disappointed. And then, ah, okay, five. Five's good. <laughs> so they're all sort of intertwined amongst each other, as you may be able to read from this complicated kind of map that they have here, <laughs> which is hard to follow, I agree. Um, so Professor Tono said that Japanese landscaping should have three things. It should have stones, which is like the bones of the garden, and it should have um, water, which is like the lifeblood of the garden, and then the skin, or the clothing, is the shrubbery and the trees and stuff. And as you can see, the clothing or the skin is really mostly one color. And that's true really of Japanese gardens in, in general. We're talking about different shades of green with very few flowers altogether, which is a real basic difference between western style gardens and here. In this garden, we just have one actual flower, you know, coming out of the ground. There are azaleas to tell us, you know, when they bloom that it's spring and maples turn red to let us know it's fall, but in terms of actual flowers growing up, there's only one down below. And it's already bloomed, so sorry. <laughs> um, so that's a big difference. Um, so this is the first garden. So this is the flat garden. And 
the flat garden is supposed to it's supposed to represent the season. So this was spring, the cherry tree, which was this weeping cherry, this gorgeous pink that was dripping all kinds of blossoms, and the maple for fall, and presumably the gravel represents summer and water and all that sort of stuff. And then these tough, tough little trees across the way here are black pines. They're supposed to represent strength and endurance and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, their their bristles are really pokey, real strong, and, and uh, the bark is really rough, and anyway, they're tough, and they're supposed to represent winter. And then the lantern uh, is a weeping heron lantern, so it's like the heron with his drying his, uh, not weeping, drying, drying heron lantern, so he's drying his wings, you know, holds them out like this, over here. There are lanterns scattered around the garden, kind of hidden around, so keep your eyes open for them, they're about 25, 27 of them. So you guys are welcome to, welcome to join us for the tour if you're interested. Uh, so we'll go around this way and I'll 